Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Thank you. We're going to look at verse 12 through 19. And he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed, has raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been risen. And if Christ has not been risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ. We did not raise if it's true that the dead do not raise. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ, we have hope in this life only, we are all people must be pitied. Uh, Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this word you've given us. Thank you for providing this word and preserving it for so long, Father, so one day we can be here and look back at the things that you did and the things that you've spoken, Father, through your disciples and the apostles and everyone, Father, in this in this word you left for us, Lord. I just pray in this time, Father, that you continue to work in us. Father, we just ask that you soften our hearts and allow us to understand the words you've given us, Lord. And and the words that I speak, Father, myself, I don't want to speak for myself. I want to speak for you, Lord. So I pray that the words that I speak may be yours and not mine. Father, that you may touch the hearts of everyone who's listening, Father. And we just pray and we thank you for this. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You remember the first time you ever heard about Jesus? This may be your first time, which is okay. It's your lucky day. So, for some of us, you know, when we first heard about Christ, uh, I hope maybe you got a good gospel presentation. Maybe you didn't get that watered-down version of you know, making you feel good and life is going to be perfect after that when you found Christ, right? Or, or it could be, you know, maybe as time moved on, you you've heard about Christ more and more. And, and maybe in the beginning or at some point in the conversation or some point in your walk with Christ, you heard somebody say that one day you too will be resurrected. And I wonder... How that made you feel when you heard that or, or maybe this is your first time hearing it. And you said one day you will physically be resurrected. How did you react to that idea? How are you reacting to that question right now? What is your thought? Maybe maybe you're confused. Maybe you got confused. Maybe it's the first time you heard this. You're like, what is this guy talking about? Resurrected. You know, maybe you didn't believe it. Uh, just, he's just talking gibberish, right? It's not possible for someone to die and come back to life. Never seen it before, right? 
None of us have. I don't think I have. You may have even said, how can, you know, he bring back those who were cremated, right? They died. They were cremated. How is God, how is anyone going to come back from the dead then? There is no body. There's all dust. Not possible. And it's true. We, we preach as believers in Christ that because of who Jesus is and what he did, even though we don't deserve it, one day he will resurrect us. But see, this promise that Christ made to us, that one day you too will be resurrected and one day you too will have a glorified body, it's not valid unless Jesus himself raised from the dead. If Christ said and if Christ is who he said he is, then this is a promise that we can hold on. But if Christ is not who he said he is, then this promise has nothing. So how do we prove that Jesus is who he says he is? I mean, Jesus did a lot of miracles to prove his claims. We, we look at scripture and we look at everything Jesus did as he walked. And we see that he did tons of miracles. And, and many of them are not even written because it's a book. But he did so many miracles to claim who he was. But we know that even those who follow him closely had a hard time with the miracles. They didn't quite fully believe everything. You know, we always have that thing inside where we're like, oh, maybe this is just a magic trick. It looks pretty cool. Wow, this is amazing. But what if this is, you know, all a trick, right? There's always a little doubt. And that's, there's always a little thing inside of you that's saying, well, maybe this is not true. But there is one miracle that Jesus did that stands above every other of the rest of his miracle. Jesus said once that you guys are going to kill me, but in three days, I'm going to come back. That's an amazing, uh, not even, not just miracle, but just the fact that he called and he said, hey, you're going to kill me. I know you are, but in three days, I'm going to come back. Because how big and, and what this miracle entitles, the evidence that points to Jesus being who he said, he's the main evidence that we have as believers that Jesus is who he says he is. If Jesus indeed resurrected, then I believe everything he said and everything he did. If Jesus rose from the dead, that means everything he said prior to that is pretty legit. But if he didn't resurrect, I can't believe a single word that Jesus said. If Jesus did not resurrect, he was just a, what some of us call a smart, crazy guy. That's all he was. He said a lot of things. Some things were good, positive. Wow, awesome. Such a good speaker. But he was pretty crazy because he made some claims that clearly did not come through. And look, I believe everything in the Bible is equally as important. There's, I can't tell you, well, there's one more thing. I only read this section because this is so important. Some people say, well, I only read the New Testament because that's final stamp of proof of who Jesus is falls on the hands of whether he came back to life or not. 
Again, he did. He is who he is. If he didn't, he's not who he claimed he is. This is why the historical resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of Christianity. This is what we built on. This is what we live our life based on. I mean, we have this whole week. We take out of the whole year. Even though throughout the whole year, I remember my wife was, was looking at the songs for teenagers. She was like, I can't pick a song. It's like we sing resurrection songs every Sunday. It's like, yeah, of course. That's what it's all about, right? But we say, okay, you know what? Let's all together pick one week out of, out of, the, uh, of the year where Jesus went through this process. Let's all grab that week and let's celebrate that week and let's spend a whole week getting ready to come Saturday, uh, um, Sunday, sorry, in the morning and celebrate the fact that Jesus came back from the dead, right? We spend a whole week doing that. Then some of you may be wondering, well, well, what about the crucifixion, right? Isn't that very important? You know, Jesus kind of went through some stuff on the cross, and we, we talked about it a little bit on, on Friday, right? But I'm not sure if you know this, but during the Roman time, uh, and, and it's really important that we understand this, there was a, over 2,000 Jews that were crucified on the cross, just like Jesus was. Over 2,000 Jews, and not just Jews. There's other people who got crucified just like Jesus got crucified. And yes, this was by far one of the most brutal, most humiliating way to die, even by today's standards. If you look at the way we put somebody to death, a criminal nowadays, doesn't compare halfway. They, they make sure that he's comfortable, feels almost no pain, at least from my understanding, right? They don't feel any pain or anything. This, by far, is the most horrible way to die by crucifixion. I found out this week, it was interesting, I didn't know. It was so difficult, it was so hard, they didn't have a word for it. So they had to make one up. That's how bad this was. In fact, in 1960, there was a German researcher who wanted to investigate crucifixion in general. He wanted to get a better understanding of how crucifixion worked and how people felt, right? So he got a couple of volunteers. Volunteers and and he he tied the volunteers by the wrist. Of course, he didn't nail them because that would have been uh, pretty bad. But he tied them up, hung them on a cross, and then he monitored uh, their respiration and and their cardiovascular activity. And he said that within six minutes of a person, one of those volunteers being hung on the cross, he started having trouble breathing. They couldn't breathe anymore. Within six minutes those guys were already having a hard time it took 30 minutes was done that's how bad the crucifixion was but just because you know jesus took on this brutal uh, punishment there by being beat and being hung on the cross doesn't mean that jesus was the only person that went through it there was other people more than 2,000 people were beaten and hung on the cross and they felt that same pain as he did and now I'm not trying to take away from what Jesus suffered on the cross. Let me tell you something. There is a bit of a difference. Let's, let's the fact that Jesus went on the cross voluntarily, right? He could have been like, hey, no, I'm not God. Don't, you know, he could have said that. He volunteered, went on the cross, and I probably will not go through that pain and suffering that he did for anyone, right? So I don't want to take away that from him. 
But what amplifies, what amplifies and what gives meaning to that crucifixion of Jesus was what Jesus went through after the cross, which is his resurrection. What gives any meaning to that crucifixion was what happened. That's all it was. But because he rose from the dead means that everything he said, everything he took on, that pain that he took on for our sins, because he took on extra pain there. He took on the wrath of God because he took that on. That's why that crucifixion means anything, because he rose again, meaning whatever he said was true. Jesus did not resurrect. He said, well, I'm going to take on your wrath of God on the cross. But he didn't resurrect, so therefore what he said really wasn't serious. So all the only pain that Jesus really went through was the same pain everybody else went through. You see? Because of that, cruci that resurrection is why that crucifixion means something. His resurrection is the reason I can believe in him. It's the reason I believe in his promises that through him I will have everlasting life. Is the reason I can believe that one day, you know, this is not always the case. Not everyone just takes this as, as it is, right? Many don't believe Jesus resurrected. Tons of people don't believe. Millions of people don't believe that Jesus resurrected. As a matter of fact, many don't believe that anyone can resurrect, period. Right? So we look back at the letter that Paul was writing and Paul had encountered a similar situation there in Corinth. He writes this section of the letter to a group of people who believe in Jesus but did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. See, there was these people who were living there who were being influenced by many of the different ideas in that town. It was a big town with a lot of people, different ideas. Everybody had different type of beliefs and stuff. And the church and the people and, and many who were not even the church were almost being influenced by this idea. And, and they were thinking, well, no one can come. I mean, most of them, mostly, all believe that there was an afterlife. You know, some kind of afterlife. It was a spiritual thing, whatever it was. They just didn't believe a physical body can be resurrected after being dead. And we're talking about dead, fully dead, three days in the tomb, kind of, you know, this is completely dead. You know, like, oh, you spend an hour dead in the hospital and you got revived back. No, like, dead, dead, dead. It's not possible. So it couldn't be. And Paul said to them, if there's no such thing as a resurrection, then Christ did not raise. Right? If you believe that there's no resurrection physically, it's impossible. So therefore, it's impossible for Jesus to resurrect. Christ did not raise from the dead. Then if Christ did not rise from the dead, then whatever it is that we're preaching is in vain. It is pointless. Whatever we're teaching you, whatever, literally if I'm going to take that same, whatever I'm doing up here, I'm wasting my time. This is pointless. If Jesus did not come back from the dead, it's useless. He said that because if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we have been misrepresenting God. You know, everyone, us, and everyone who came before us, who spoke about Christ as coming back from the dead, if Jesus did not come back, then we're just taking God's word and we're doing nothing with it. We're using it wrong. We're teaching falsely te uh, uh, teachings. We're false prophets. 
says, if Christ did not come, did not raise from the dead, then you're still in your sin. Meaning we have not been forgiven in front of God. If Christ did not come back from the dead, we have nothing. We're still owe a debt to God. We're not new creatures. We've spoken about how in Christ we become new. If Christ did not come back from the dead, you're not new. You're still the old self. Who still owes God something. And you're still going to have to pay for it. And Paul says, lastly, if Christ did not. So anyone who has died in Christ, or outside of Christ for that matter, you're just dead. That's it. It went black. Black screen. Boop. There's nothing else there. There's no after. There's no nothing. Anyone who comes after and dies, they're dead forever. That's it. It's done. But in fact, there is a bodily resurrection. And Jesus himself is to prove that there is a bodily resurrection. But, of course, we want evidence. I want evidence. I mean, something like that, a statement like that requires evidence. You just can't take it from it, right? You have to understand that our faith is not a blind faith. I don't believe in Jesus because, oh, I don't know, there's nothing else to do. So let's just believe in Jesus. I heard somebody say it sounded good, so I'm going to believe it. I believe in Christ because there's proof. First, let's look at the death of the followers of Jesus. If you look at what history and the Bible says about the disciples and all the apostles that follow Christ, is that they witnessed Jesus himself after he resurrected. And this is important to keep in mind. These people saw Christ after he resurrected. If you look at 1 Corinthians, if you go back a few verses, 7 and 8, it says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one ultimately born, he appeared also to me. There's also some more. If you keep reading it, you're going to see how he appeared to 500. And then you're going to see later on thousands of Jews converted, right? So the gospel that Paul was preaching along with the rest of the apostles was not a gospel that he thought sounded good. It was a gospel that he, they witnessed themselves. They saw it with their own eyes. They saw Christ resurrected with their own eyes. They all kind of died, and it wasn't a natural, uh, natural death, right? They didn't die in the deathbed at the age of 80, 90 years old. I mean, these guys were killed. They were killed because of what they were teaching, what they were preaching. So this means that they didn't die because of something they believed happened. They died because of something they saw and they know that happened. So let me ask you, how many of you are willing to die for something that you saw and know to be true. How about. How many of you are willing to die for something. That you think you saw. If I would say hey. Are you willing to die for that. Oh I think I saw this guy. Are you willing to die for that. Well, I don't know I think I saw him. I'm not sure. I'm not willing to die for something I think. Right. There's many skeptic. You know that say that anyone. That wants to believe something hard enough. Will believe it. Right. But I've seen people that deep down inside 
I've, I've seen them, and I, I might know one or two, right? But I've never met or read of any one of those people who believe that Elvis, Elvis Presley is still alive, willing to put their lives on the line for it. I've never met a single one of them who were willing to die for that statement, for what they think they saw. Even though they believe it deep down, as they're, man, I would, I would pay. I know, but I, I'm not giving my life for that. And I know that because I've never seen any one of them start a movement with thousands of followers who are also willing to die for what they think they saw. You know, I can see one or two people and be like, yeah, I agree. I think I saw Tupac the other day on the street. But none of them are starting a revolution with thousands of people who are all willing to stand up and say, yeah, we saw Tupac. He better be coming out soon. None of them. Whereas these followers stood in front of crowds and governmentary. I mean, we, we know the persecution in Asia and 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 Iran and and all and even in Canada because it's crazy. There's people who are standing up firm, preaching Christ, and they're paying with their lives. And all but one apostle paid for the paid for that preaching with their life. All but one. Now, on the other hand, people may die for a lie they think is true. But they will not die for a lie they know to be a lie. If you know it's a lie, let me tell you something. If I'm lying, I'm like, yeah, I'm, and you're bothering me, like, well, you're going to die for that? <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, this is all a lie. If all this was a lie, the apostles would have been like, no, thank you. Uh, this is not worth it. Dr. Peter Kreff, a professor of physiology at Boston College, asked, what did they got was what what they got was misunderstanding, rejection, persecution, torture, and death. Hardly a list of perks. None of them became famous, rich, with mansions. As a matter of fact, Paul, who had everything, who had power, who had money, lost everything, including his life, because of what he was teaching and preaching. Another proof is the guards and the tomb. You know, one of the most common used questions to doubt the resurrection, I believe, is how do we know someone they knew didn't just take Jesus' body from the tomb, right? We, we all kind of heard that before. This is not something new that I'm telling you. See, the Gospel of Matthew was, was written to the Jews, right? That's what specifically the audience of Matthew is. And, and Matthew specifically tells them, verse 62 to 66, says, the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how the imposter said, While he was still alive, after three days I will raise. So therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people that he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. So Pilate said to them, you have guardia, guardian, the guard of soldiers, go make sure, go make it secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. 
Uh, you can look up the historian's documents on how the whole army thing worked during that time. I'm not going to go into details. It's just going to bore you. But when when it came to the guards, you have to understand that it wasn't like the movie show where there's two guards in front. He did not just send two guys. Hey, go two guys, and they both fall asleep. No. This was a minimum of 12 guards, 12 soldiers, minimum to protect this and secure this grave. And these were not just the ordinary guards. You know, it wasn't like uh, the security guard that you see that carries a, you know, a flashlight. Not that I have anything about security guards. Hey, I, I like the security guards in my neighborhood. Uh, but it wasn't just, you know, basic people, everyday crops grow or anything. These guards, these soldiers were big and strong men. I'm talking about when they would wear their suits where they were supposed to wear, they looked like giants. Also big and strong these guys were. These were powerful looking men. And as for the stone, they sealed it like they do nowadays to see if someone opened your electronic, right? I don't know if you ever open a piece of electronic. There's this one little seal that's cut in a way that if you move that seal, you're not going to take it off completely. It's going to rip. And that's to, for them to know that you opened it your own, therefore voiding your warranty. Right? So they put something like that, a seal. And I'm talking about a stick. So they sealed it. And then the stone, the cover was set in a way that was almost impossible for just a man to come and move it and take Jesus' body out. It required a group, a lot of people. There was a lot of soldiers, a lot of people. They're going to see him, right? Because the way the stone was rolled on there, it wasn't like somebody just put it there, right? You were thinking, like, how did they put that stone? It's supposed to be so heavy. See, the way it's built is these, the round stones are, are put in an angle way, right? The holes here is angled, right? And then they stop it with a piece of rock. And when it was time to seal it, they removed it, boom, and the stone kind of rolled itself up, boom. You can't move it. This was a heavy piece of stone. So it's not like somebody can just push it back up. Like, oh, it's a piece of cake, right? No, it required people. And if you see the details of where the stone was, it wasn't the stone wasn't moved, rolled away. The stone was moved out of the way. So manpower and security so that no one may take the body. Because if they knew the body was missing, it was going to be impossible to stop anyone from converting, anyone from believing in Christ. It was going to be impossible to say, let's do this right off the top. Let's secure this and make sure that no one even tries to steal the body. But none of that stopped Jesus from coming back to life. Just like he said he was going to. He ended up coming out of the tomb of life. And just by the way the guards reacted to that, these big, strong men, tell us that they witnessed something that was supernatural. I mean, if you read, it says, uh, that they got scared, and they were like if they were dead already. Read the, read the description. They were like, oh, snap. You know, these guys were paranoid. They were freaking out. Big, strong men ready to run. It's not very common. Many proofs among uh, that tells us that Jesus did resurrect. So if Jesus resurrected, then he is who he says he is. And we too can be resurrected. But our resurrection is connected with Jesus' resurrection. So, why do many still reject the resurrection of Jesus? 
And the simple response is because of the cost that comes of believing. Believing has a price. But if we want to be a little bit specific about that price, first thing is it's hard to believe in miracles. And it's even harder to explain a miracle. It is so difficult for me to explain something like this because it's a miracle. And it's not easy for them. It's not easy for us. And the thing is that w- over time we've lost that definition of what a miracle is, right? But a miracle is something that just that uh, we have kids or we have babies. No, that's not a miracle. We have babies all the time. Not, not me, but women have babies all the time. Now, a miracle is someone who said, hey, you can't have any kids at all. And then they do. That's out of nature, right? Dying is not a miracle, right? Uh, coming back from the dead is a miracle. That's not nature, right? Uh, some people say, you know, a miracle is, you know, the apple falls, but the miracles when gravity falls, apples falls, is God intervening with that apple from falling. That's the miracle, the intervention of God. hard to believe somebody coming back from the dead in three days, after three days. You know, being fully dead. Completely dead, because that's considered dead. It's hard to believe that. People in Corinth believed Jesus as the Messiah and still didn't believe he rose from the dead. Uh, call themselves Christian, have even bigger problems. They come up with all these ideas that don't work. For example, there's this theory called the wrong tomb theory where everyone went to the wrong tomb. Even the owner of the tomb went to the wrong tomb. They went to go see Jesus' tomb, but they went to the one in the corner where it was still empty. And the owner of the tomb that spent a lot of money on it made the same mistake. And then talk about the hallucination theory, right? Where the 500 men who saw Jesus all at the same time were all hallucinating. But you can ask Malia. Not, there's not two people in the same place at the same time who can hallucinate the same thing. It's not possible, right? Hallucination is internal, specific to that person. 500 people hallucinating Jesus at the same time, seeing the same thing, highly doubt it. But this is, this is, that's the part that's, that's already. People didn't pay attention to him. And I'm not saying he's easy to understand. But what I'm saying is there always has to be some part that's a belief. That's a faith. You just got to believe it. You know, it's hard to understand. You just got to believe it. Another reason is hard to believe because if you believe, society thinks you're narrow-minded. Nowadays, talking about Jesus is really hard, right? It's super difficult to talk about Jesus anywhere. Christianity has become the symbol of hate, bigotry, and ignorance just because of what we preach. They don't like it. And the idea that there's only one God and he resurrected means that you're too dumb to think outside the box. Like, look at this idiot. Jesus resurrected. Anybody's resurrected. What is that? So, you know, I'm easily brainwashed. It's almost like if you have to throw away your brain to believe in Jesus. 
like believing in Jesus is like believing in leprechauns. I've been told that so many times. Oh, so you believe in leprechauns too, right? But it's the opposite because I don't believe because I can't think. I believe because I found enough evidence. Sorry, I, I don't believe because I can't think. I believe because I have enough evidence who Jesus is. Lastly, they don't believe because they don't want to believe because of what it will require of you. This week, my daughter came home and she, uh, she every now and then she throws out this thing that happens in school. And it's never an easy one, too. She never throws out, oh, everybody was so good today. It was always something difficult. So teacher says, my teacher says that, you know, a math teacher out of all the teachers says that, hey, we're all like animals. We're all animals. So, you know, animals have vertebrates, so, so we do. So therefore, we're animals, except that we evolved and they haven't. After talking about it with her, she asked me, why would she even believe that? Why did she believe that she's an animal or she evolved from an animal? And I, I can't speak for the teacher. I have no idea why she believes that. But many times I notice that it comes down to the rejection of who God is and what he expects from us. Right? It's so easy to just come up with something to separate us from God and be like, there is no God, there is nothing, because if there is a God, then it means i got to live a certain way, and He's asking certain things from me. Believing in God or revolution means that what He commands, we must obey. So it's easier to believe in evolution so we don't have to obey. The same goes with Jesus. If we believe in his resurrection, that means that he is God and we must obey. So of course, it's easy to reject. So why is this so important? Why is our believing in the resurrection is important? Uh, why do we even talk about it? Right? And I want to take you to the most commonly known verse in the whole Bible. John 3, verse 16. I'm going to read from 16 and 18. It says, For God so loved the eternal life, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one only son. It's like Paul said in verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is fertile and you are still in your sin. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, everything we believe is useless. Us being here in church right now is pointless. Our sins still needs to be paid for. We still owe God a debt that we have to pay. Eternal damnation is for everyone. And we should just go home, drink, and be married. That's what we should just do if Christ did not raise. Be saved. If Christ did not raise, God did not send anyone for any one of us. I mean, think about that. We're all doomed. We will all be doomed. But here's the good news. Since Jesus did come back from the dead, it means that he spoke truth. That everything he says is true. Which means that when he told Nicodemus that he was the only way and he was sent by God in order to take the sins and save those who believe in him. He spoke truth. When he said that he was only the only way and only through him, he will, you will find life. He spoke truth. 
when he promised the gifts of salvation, that gift is the true gift. Let me tell you, this was someone who lived perfect life, taught the best known teachings in all history, claimed that he was God and was going to raise from the dead, and he did so. So I suggest you at least give him a little bit of your time because someone who comes back from the dead deserves at least five minutes of your time. And all he's asking from us is that we accept his free gift by believing in him. It's free. But you have to believe in everything that Jesus is, everything who he is. His existence, everything he said, everything he did, you have to believe in it. And one day, we will all be resurrected in our physical body and spend all eternity with him in, his glor- in this glorified body that he's going to give us. And we're going to spend all eternity worshiping him and being next to Christ because of who he is. Pray with me. Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect or listen to our library sermons, jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us. Again, we want to thank you for listening. And remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church.